I'm Katie Brejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I've mentioned it before this season. I went to the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas, and I studied theology. And my junior year, there was a posting on Blackboard, the website that we used to, you know, get information from our professors, about a new offering coming in the fall semester on the Book of Revelation, taught by an adjunct professor. He was actually the father of a classmate of mine who had his doctorate in theology from Oxford. And he was a bit of a scholar when it came to the book of Revelation. And he really wanted to teach a class. He was doing it kind of as a hobby for himself. He was incredibly excited about it, signed up for it, sat down with this professor for, it was a three-hour course on Wednesday evenings, 6 to 9 p.m., digging into the book of Revelation. And I walked away from that class, just, you know, a junior in college, struck by the fact that I'd gone my whole life not realizing that the book of Revelation was as profound and as amazing as it actually is. And now here I sit, a 32-year-old mom of two kids hosting a podcast for a Catholic publisher, and I think to myself, I still probably don't even realize how amazing the book of Revelation is. And I, I doubt you even realize it yourself, because it's not a book that we as Catholics really spend a whole lot of time with, but we should. Because it's a book that is a snapshot of heaven and of the Mass. You know, as we developed all the content for Avi Explorers, I knew I wanted to talk to somebody about the profound nature of the book of Revelation. Why is it so confusing? What is inside that leads to more questions than answers? Why do people avoid it? Or why do people use it to make political points? Or what is it about the book of Revelation that makes it eminently quotable, but even more eminently frustrating at times? And I decided in order to talk about this, well, we, of course, could go to any sort of PhD scripture scholar who's teaching in a college and probably find them and tell us to explain it to us. But I wanted to go to somebody who tries to explain scripture in the most relatable and understandable of ways to the person like you and I who sit in the pew on Sunday and just want to live their Catholic faith a little bit better. That's what we try to do here at Ave Explorers. How can we live our Catholic faith just a little bit better? And so we called up Jeff Cavins, who hosts retreats and pilgrimages and has written countless books and has been involved in so much Bible study creation, Bible creation over the years. And Jeff Cavins sat down with us and he really digs into, well, why is Revelation structured the way it's structured and what's inside? And, and gives us a bit of an overview, a Bible study, if you will, of the book of Revelation, which is so intimidating at times and confusing. I kind of feel like we've been saying that about all of sacred scripture. The Old Testament can sometimes be confusing. The Gospels can sometimes be confusing. The book of Revelation, I try to avoid it. We had a Facebook Live conversation with Father Robert Boxy about preparing his homily and, and how he uses the second reading, normally epistles, the writings of St. Paul, and how sometimes those can be confusing. But here's the thing. Even if the Bible can sometimes be confusing or intimidating, it's still eminently worth it to read it and to let it change our lives. So this conversation with Jeff Cavins today about the book of Revelation hopefully just takes us one step further into understanding the goodness and the glory of sacred scripture, this beloved love letter to us from God who longs to be close to us, who wants to be in relationship with us. If you like this conversation and all the other ones that we've had this whole season, click on over to AveMariaPress.com. You'll be able to find all the stuff that we've created. Sign up for our emails, sign up for our future series, which will be all about evangelization. We can't wait for you to see some of the awesome stuff we've created there. We hope that you stick around and join us for lots more that we have coming with Ave Explores the Bible. For now, I hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation 
with Jeff Cavins about the book of Revelation. Well, Jeff Cavins, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explores. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Always a lot of fun to talk about scripture. So tell us a little bit about who you are. I'm sure many of our listeners know who you are and what you're doing and where you are in the world right now. Yeah, well, I'm in Minneapolis right now, but uh, I was raised Catholic. I ended up leaving the Catholic Church and I became a Protestant pastor for 12 years and then kind of studied my way back into the Catholic Church. Interestingly enough, it was through scripture that I ended up coming back to the Catholic Church. You know, these days we're teaching around the world, leading pilgrimages. We are producing Bible studies with the Great Adventure Bible. Father Mike Schmitz and I have been uh, doing a a new uh, podcast, which surprisingly went to number one in the country, and that's Bible in a year. So, yeah, that's been our life is Scripture. And when my wife and I got married 43 years ago, it was for really the purpose of serving Christ together around scripture. So that's what we've been involved with all these years. Can we dig into that story a little bit of you left the church and then came back in the church? Most people don't come back into the church by way of the Bible, or maybe they do, but a lot of people ignorantly say that Catholics don't know scripture. And yet the Bible in a year is evidence and proof that we do a lot of the work that you've done. Tell us a little bit more about that journey back home. Sure. Well, you know, my life was scripture and that was, it was everything from the time that I was about 18 to 36 years old, 35 years old. And I knew as I was reading the Old Testament that there were so many things in the Old Testament that they find their fulfillment in the new. And of course, they're very exciting. You know, the Passover lamb and Jesus and and then things like the queen mother in the Old Testament, the Geberah, and uh, where would that be in the new And I started to realize that the church that I was pastoring was really incomplete. We ignored a lot of major, major cards, if you will, played in the Old Testament and didn't have an explanation for them in the New. So that led me into a study of the church fathers. And I realized that the, the church I was pastoring didn't look anything like the early church. I mean, nothing. It really didn't look like anything like the early church. And That set me out into a bit of a crisis of faith, and I continued to study the church fathers, a little bit of apologetics, but mainly scripture, and came to the conclusion that the Catholic Church was the church that he started, and it's the only church that if you look at it and you look at scripture, honestly, it all makes sense, perfect sense, like a puzzle put together without much effort from myself. So let's talk about that puzzle then. It does fit together. It does make a lot of sense. And yet there's still this like part of scripture. If you were to look at a puzzle, it would be the part where all of the, like the dark blue and a starry night where you don't really quite know where all the things go, but yet they have to be there to create that final picture. Mm -hmm. And that would be the book of Revelation, the book that we're talking about today. Last book of the Bible, the one that has arguably the scariest descriptions of what the afterlife will be like. Can you give us kind of a 10,000-foot view of the book of Revelation. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because when I was a Protestant pastor, we would ask the people in the church every year, what do you want to study in the Bible? Even when I went to my summer camp and in sixth grade, we were sitting in Butternut Cabin, not that you needed to know (laughs) that, but Butternut Cabin, and the, uh, the leader of our cabin asked, what do you guys want to read in the Bible? And it was always with my church, always in butternut cabin. It was the book of Revelation. And people were so excited about it. 
And it's an interesting book because there's a big mystery there and, and people are interested in end time scenarios and so forth. But the, the 10,000 foot view of the book of Revelation is, is number one, is that it is an absolute masterpiece. It's a masterpiece under the genre, the literary genre of apocalyptic literature, apocalypsis. This word apocalypsis means an uncovering, a revelation that God is going to uncover and reveal something that is astounding. And so what you have, basically, is you have an entire book that is written in a covenant lawsuit form. In other words, there's going to be a judgment about something very similar to the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. And so it starts off as a letter that's going to be read to the seven churches of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Mm. And this letter goes out, and the letter uncovers what they are doing well and what they are doing wrong. And if they correct what they're doing wrong, then there is a reward in each of the seven churches. And it's really meant to encourage those seven churches of Asia Minor who are going through tremendous persecution at the time. And uh, it's involving their jobs even. I mean, it's a very difficult, difficult time. And so what God is going to do through John is he's going to show these people what is really happening behind the scenes. And so we launch out into a fantastic literary masterpiece that shows them what is about to happen in the earth. And then it goes from what is happening in the earth, which as you know, and we'll get to, it is, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's tough. It's apocalyptic. It's difficult. The judgment that is going to come and then there would be a reprieve. There would be a go back up to heaven and see what's happening in heaven, then back to earth, then back to heaven, then back to earth and back to heaven. And what we see in the book of Revelation is we see a judgment against Jerusalem, the city that rejected Jesus. Now, this isn't a rejection or a court case against Jews. Mm -hmm. This is against Jerusalem, who was complicit along with Rome. And so you have a whole host of characters in this apocalyptic letter. You have Jesus as the centerpiece. You have the saints who have suffered. You have the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is the new Ark of the Covenant. You have St. Michael the Archangel. You have a small beast who is and a large beast, the beast from the land and the beast from the sea, which are the, the leadership of, of Israel beast from the land and the leadership of Rome, which is the beast from the sea. The sea always talks about foreign entities. And so what you have here is you have a judgment against Israel, which is going to bring an end to the world as they know mm -hmm. it, the end of time and the introduction of the next phase, which is the New Testament. And it finds its climax in chapter 19 with the Lamb's Supper, when we are going to celebrate the Eucharist, celebrate this meal of the new covenant. But before that, there's going to be a judgment on Jerusalem, and that's going to close the book in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Now, what's fascinating about this is that while John never quotes the Old Testament, he doesn't really quote the Old Testament. He hints at the Old Testament using apocalyptic hinting mm -hmm. 
over 500 times. Mm. That says something. It says that if the modern day reader really wants to know what the book of Revelation is about, then it's absolutely mandatory that they understand the Old Testament. Mm. Because if you don't understand it, you're not going to understand the language of the book of Revelation because John's hinting at all kinds of events and people and concepts in the Old Testament. And the beautiful thing, and I'll end with this, the beautiful thing is, is that it really is to be understood in the context of the mass. That's the key. That's the key right there. Mm -hmm. I remember taking a course in college. We, of course, read the, you know, we had the Navarre translation of scripture with all of the commentary and it's sitting on my bookshelf back there. And we read the Lamb's Supper from Dr. Scott Hahn and dug into what you just said, that we're supposed to see things from this perspective of the mass, this perspective of the new liturgy. I do think sometimes people fall into a tendency of looking at the book of Revelation as, you know, the guidebook for the end times, or we read it with the view of 2021, which after the year that we all had with COVID, maybe that was a, not a terrible thing to do. But what are some pitfalls that people fall into when they read the book? I mean, knowing the 10,000-foot view, I think it's pretty obvious where people might start to misunderstand things or misinterpret things. But why do people often get Revelation so wrong? Well, I think that they get, they get it so wrong for a number of reasons. One, they don't understand apocalyptic literature. Mm-hmm. They think that apocalyptic literature is that John, 2,000 years ago, is going to be doing some kind of cryptic, you know, mystical puzzle for the future mm-hmm. that you can, if you can only line up these Gog and Magog with Russia and the, the you know, European Union or whatever it might be. And they don't understand that the, the key was not looking forward as much as it was looking backward. Mm. And it was looking at, you got to remember, this was written for the seven churches of Asia Minor. It wasn't primarily written for people in 2021, even though it is for us in 2021. But you see what I mean is, you know, God didn't say, well, I'm just going to kind of forget about everyone until 2021. (laughs) And those are the people that are going to really going after those people. And so it does speak of an end time, but it's the end of the old covenant, Mm -hmm. the beginning of the new. Yet at the same time, the church, you know, lets us know that it is also about the end of time. Yeah as well. The same thing, you know, applies when we look at that. So I think that number one, not knowing the Old Testament compromises you immediately because it puts you in a position where you have to start guessing at who are these creatures? What is this apocalyptic language? And so we start to look at the news today and we say, well, that must have been what he's talking about. No, he was talking about something very concrete and very specific but it was based in Old Testament salvation history, using that language to explain what is happening in in John's day in the seven churches of Asia Minor. He's also, you got to remember what apocalypsis means. It's a revealing. Mm. And ultimately, it is the revealing of the bride and the bridegroom. That's what the revelation is. It's the revealing of the bride, the church, and the covenant meal and celebration where the bridegroom gives his body to the bride in the Lamb's Supper. Now, if you don't have the body and blood of Jesus to give to the bride, then you have a symbol. Mm. And if you have a symbol like a piece of bread or wheat, you don't have a true covenant meal. And 
you really don't have a lot to celebrate here if you don't have the real body and blood. It's just a symbol at that point. And so the advantage we have as Catholics is that the book of Revelation is truly and completely understood in the context of the mass and the sacraments. You know, my word, if you if you look at all of the words that are used to describe worship in heaven, you'd thought you just walked into high mass. Right. So I think that that's one of the one of the reasons that uh, that people get it so wrong is they don't understand apocalyptic literature. They don't understand the Old Testament and they don't understand what some of the um symbolism means, you know, like, for example, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 24, when you start talking about, then the stars fell to earth, you know, well, people are looking for that literally, but they miss the point that in antiquity, they told time with the stars, Mm -hmm. right? And so when the stars come crashing down, it means time's up, Mm. time's up. So it meant something to them. And if you don't know that meaning, then, as I said earlier, you're going to have to make something up. <laughs> now, the book of Revelation was written by John, the beloved disciple. We know John wrote, of course, the Gospel of John, which is different than the other three Gospels. So how does the person of John, who was exiled on the island of Patmos, who would have known Jesus in a very intimate way as friend, as brother, how do you think his personality shines forth in the writing of this. Of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit, but you know, the human man was part of the writing of this. Do we see glimpses of, say, the relationship we know he would have had with Mary after he took her into his own home? What do we see from the author's perspective? Well, if, number one, very intimate, as you just mentioned, he's very intimate with the Lord. You know, he's laid his head on the chest of Jesus. He was uh, the Lord's beloved. He was there at all the critical, you know, events in in Jesus' life. And as you said, he was the one that was given the responsibility to care for the mother of God. And so I think he understood so well what we would call the economy of God, that is the the Father's household plan for all of us. I think that it demonstrated a tremendous knowledge of the Old Testament. And as you understand the book of Revelation, you have to come to the conclusion that this was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I don't know of anybody who could have put that together <laughs> like that. That that's a masterpiece, just you know, like that. But I think that John also, you know, knew the condition of the church. He he's the only one who they tried to murder or you know martyr, and he didn't die. He went through a lot of difficulties. He understood where they were coming from, and I think also that you know the Gospel of John is the one gospel that's not one of the synoptics. The synoptics meaning that Matthew, Mark, and Luke seem to come from one lens. They have the same eye, you know. And John was is different. John was different, and here's why: John was different because John's writing to more of a Gentile audience, and the Book of Revelation is drawing in a lot of Gentile ideas with Rome, for example. Here's what's really interesting is that Matthew wrote chapter 24. That is the end time chapter. Mark wrote an end time chapter. Luke wrote a whole end time chapter. John doesn't Mm. in the gospel. And the reason is he wrote a whole book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and he he wrote an entire book on it. And so when you read the book of Revelation, you're going to see hints of that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke but it's brought to a whole new level in the Gospel of John. You know, I think that the comfort that John received from the Lord is something he's passing on to the early church as well. 
as I said earlier, these people were suffering. They were really suffering. And John is writing this, and he says it at the beginning, to bring comfort, Mm. to comfort them. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, how can all this stuff, you know, with uh, the seals and the trumpets and the bowls, and how in the world does all of this bring comfort? Well, it brings comfort because it explains the entire outcome and the reward of the Lamb's Supper. Mm -hmm. And it also explains in the Revelation that your suffering, the blood of the martyrs, as related to beneath the altar, has power. In fact, he says, listen, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So he's really encouraging them on how to overcome. And then there's a whole chapter here. I was just reading this before talking to you. You can read in chapter 10, for example, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 11, you have this tremendous look at the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is the new Ark of the Covenant. And so in the midst of this battle that's taking place, the Blessed Virgin Mary is highlighted as somebody that we can go to who is an advocate and an intercessor on our behalf. And uh, that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at what John says about Mary and you look at what Luke says about Mary in the first chapter, you have a beautiful, beautiful picture of her as the new Ark of the Covenant and the Geberah, the Queen Mother, the intercessor and advocate for us. And so that should tell us something as modern day Christians. And that is that in the battle that takes place, Michael the Archangel is key and the Blessed Virgin Mary is key and your prayers Mm. are key because they rise to heaven as an incense in the midst of this battle. I'm telling you, this is a this is a PhD in Christian living yeah. in one book. Yeah. I can't wait until the Bible in a year gets to that part because I'm sure y'all will mm-hmm. unpack and dig in even more. I'm way behind on it, but uh you can listen anytime. Everybody is. Yeah. It's- <laughs> Everybody is. People will come up to me, oh, I'm doing Bible in a year. And I'll go, oh, great. And the next thing they'll say is, but I'm behind. Oh, yeah. And I'll say, it's okay. It's yeah. all right. You guys still going to finish somewhere. Exactly. You know? We're all in the trenches of it. My family's been listening to it. So we're all, it's like watching a TV <laughs> show. We all have to make sure we're all caught up before Sunday dinner. I'm curious. We've been asking this question for every guest that we've had on the show this season, what your favorite part of sacred scripture is. And none of the answers have mm-hmm. been the same. I think because scripture speaks to people differently. We've had some folks that have talked about the gospels. Some who, of course, have dug into Old Testament, maybe because their area of scholarship. When you pick up the Bible, not to study, not to prepare a talk, but it's just you digging into a time of prayer, where do you usually flip first? What do you like to go to? You know, I guess the place that I go to, depending on my mood, (laughs) if I'm struggling with something, I I tend to go to Psalms. Mm. And I just like to go and I love to read particular books. I love James. And uh, because it is like Proverbs for the New Testament, it's put together in a way that the rabbis used to teach in Jesus' day, and they called it stringing pearls. In other words, it's little bits of truth and wisdom that are not necessarily connected. They're strung together. And so James writes like that. But of all the books in the Bible, I, I would have to say of all of them that my, my favorite is, is Matthew. Mm. And it's because 
I'm so big into the Jewish roots of Christianity. That's what my area of study was for a decade, was the early uh, roots of Christianity, the Jewish roots of Christianity. And Matthew is, I think, the best mm -hmm. at showing us um, the Old Testament in the New and showing us the beauty of it. So I, I just, I love the Gospel of Matthew. Now, if you let me talk long enough, I'd say, but in the Old Testament, it's Genesis, you know, and I could keep going. And that's the that's a Bible teacher for that's you. That's the beauty of Scripture. I mean, you have an entire show just about that. Tell us where we can learn more about you and all the great work that you do and maybe even go on a pilgrimage with you. Yeah, you know, coming up next year, uh, this is going to be in uh, June of 2022, Father Mike Schmitz and I are leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land in June, and it's primarily for young adults, but it's for everybody. Everyone's invited. So, we go to Israel also every January. People are invited to join us. And you can go to my website, jeffcavens.com, for all of that kind of information. Or if you want me to speak at your parish, whether it's in person or Zoom, you can go to my website. And then all of my studies and the Great Adventure Bible and my books, they're, they're available at ascensionpress.com. And that's where uh, I reside, basically. You know, in addition, I would say that a lot of people don't know this yet that every Thursday at 2 Eastern time, I'm on Facebook Live answering the difficult questions that Father Mike gets every single week. Uh -huh. And so that's a lot of fun to get those. Awesome. <laughs> well, we will link all of that in our show notes. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on Ave Explorers. Well, thank you. It's been good talking to you. When Jeff and I recorded that podcast quite a while ago, I actually ended up going to daily mass that afternoon. My my husband could just kind of tell that I was frazzled and tired. And he said, you need a minute. Why don't you go grab a coffee? And on the way to the coffee shop, I thought to myself, I don't need a coffee. I, I need Jesus. And so I ran over to church and just went to our quick little 30-minute afternoon mass with a young man that I remember watching up. And he was involved in youth group stuff, Father Levi Thompson here in the Diocese of Lake Charles, and was just so profoundly struck by the conversation I just had with Jeff Cavins about the book of Revelation being a snapshot of the heavenly banquet, and now I get to sit at the heavenly banquet at 3939 Lake Street in Lake Charles, Louisiana, in a church that I was raised in and got married in and my children have been baptized in. You know, we sometimes don't even realize what we're experiencing as we're experiencing it. And it, and it takes a conversation about a book of the Bible. It takes reading sacred scripture to realize the great gift of our faith. And, you know, one of our goals here at Ave Explorers and trying to dig into this topic is to not make us all scripture scholars. It's not possible. There are other podcasts that can do that. I don't even think it's necessarily to get you to go buy a Bible, although I hope that you have taken advantage of using code AEXBIBLE to get 20% off on the Ave Catholic note-taking Bible. I don't even necessarily know that the goal of this was for you to just subscribe, to get emails, or to see all the stuff that we're posting on social media. As always, our goal is ultimately to help you live your faith a little bit better. And learning about the book of Revelation, learning about the Gospels, the Old Testament, the Psalms, digging into how to read sacred scripture every day, and parts of the Bible that are confusing or frustrating or, I don't understand this, all of that is hopefully helping you allow scripture to change your life. And so as we've dug into what is scripture and why read it and looking at the Old Testament, looking at the New Testament, looking ahead to next week as we wrap up this series, we're bringing to you a couple of conversations about how scripture has changed some people's lives. Conversations with people who let scripture, the reading of scripture, the listening to scripture, change the trajectory of their life for the better and show us how reading the Bible is never a passive 
thing, but is completely and totally world-altering. So I hope you stick around for those conversations next week. Give a rating and a review to this podcast. Subscribe to it. Share it with your friends. Click on over to AveMariaPress.com to sign up and get all of the great stuff that we have created just for you. Thanks for joining us this week. We will see you next week for the conclusion of Ave Explores the Bible. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.